0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Focus on the things that make you money. Don't focus on the things that don't make you money. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the US. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to out-of-state real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide.
0: Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Jay Scott. Hi, Jay.
1: Hey, how's it going, Joe? How's it going, Best Ever listeners?
0: It's going well, and I am channeling the Best Ever listeners right now, and they are saying it's going very well and outstanding. Jay is based in Washington, D.C., where he is an investor specializing in residential rehabbing and flipping. He's completed over 150 deals since 2008 and has bought and sold over 25 million bucks in property. He Actually, I saw this on your website, which we clearly have to talk about um, after your intro. He earned more than $1 million, it was actually $1,075,291 on his first 50 flips and he's the author of the best-selling book on Flipping Houses, very straightforward. Everybody knows what that book's about. And Jay also runs the website 123Flip, so some very consistent positioning and branding and focus. So, uh, oh, and non-real estate related interesting fact, he used to be a professional poker player and took second place in the largest poker tournament in in the his, in the history, so one of the largest tournaments in history. So that being said, Jay, can you give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Um,
1: well, let's see. I got into real estate back in 2008. Uh, prior to real estate, I was uh, – in addition to playing poker – uh, semi-professionally for a long time. Uh, I actually was an engineer in my previous life. Uh, I went to school engineering and, uh, got out and worked in the tech industry for about 15 years before I got into real estate. So it was back in 2008, my wife and I, uh, we met in the tech industry and we decided let's get married. Let's start a family. Uh, but we knew if we were going to start a family, we couldn't keep up the, the hundred hour work weeks. We were both working, uh, in Silicon Valley. So we looked at each other and said, hey, let's let's do something different. So we moved across the country. We settled in Atlanta for a few years. And when we first left the tech industry and moved to Atlanta, we really had absolutely no idea what we wanted to do. Uh, we had considered real estate. We had talked about actually buying apartment buildings a- at the time, uh, moved to Atlanta and realized that uh, apartments were not a good investment back in 2008. And so one day, my wife is sitting on on the couch watching HGTV as she used to do a lot. And she saw a house flipping show, and she turned to me and she said, "Hey, let's flip a house." And I thought she was joking at the time, but uh, she was very serious. And she said, "We're not doing anything else this summer before we get married. We're trying to figure out what business to to jump into next. So in the meantime, why don't we why don't we just uh, try a house project?" And. Long story short, one house turned into two, turned into three, and here we are, about 150 houses later, and and we're still going strong. How do you
0: make money on a flip? And how did you make? I mean, I don't even even average that out. I should I should average out one million seventy five thousand two ninety one divided by fifty. How do you make that type of average? And while you talk, I'm gonna have that average for the listeners. <laughs> And actually, wait, hold up one second. $21,505.82. How do you make that average over 50 flips?
1: Well, I'll tell you, it, it's funny. A lot of people look at that number and are blown away. Um, 50 flips, 21000 a flip. Um, but I think a lot of experienced investors will look at that and say, really, you're only making $21,000 per flip. Is it worth it? Uh, there are a lot of investors out there who kind of, they don't focus on, the types of deals I do, they focus on the big deals. They they want every deal to be a home run deal. Uh, they want to make fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars per deal. Uh, we we kind of took the the tactic that we wanted to focus more on volume than we did on big deals, and. Our typical deal probably over the first 50 flips sold in the hundred to 120 thousand dollar range. So that twenty thousand dollar profit was somewhere in the the 15 to 20 percent of of our investment. Uh, so 15 to 20 percent returns. Obviously, nothing to uh, nothing to to be upset about. Uh, But compared to what a lot of investors are doing out there, the ones that are doing the the big flips, the higher end flips, the one or two a year as opposed to 10 or 20 a year, um, it's actually relatively small profits. So to get to that 1 million mark, we couldn't do just one deal a a year, two deals deals a year, three deals a year. Uh, We had to be focusing on doing 10, 15, 20 deals a year because our average returns were relatively small compared to a lot of investors out there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Once I did the division and divided by 50, I was like, oh, that's that's 21K a flip. I think that that certainly is attainable. And I like that a lot because then it kind of breaks it down into what some would consider realistic scenarios. And you mentioned you were doing 15, 20 flips over the course of the year. How quickly did you do those first 50 so the first fifty,
1: uh, I think that was over pretty much. Uh, we we just started really ramping up recently, but that was probably four years, four and a half years. Uh, so in that time, we were probably we probably did uh, four or five the first year, and then we, we got up to about ten the second year, and, and fifteen the third year. So it was kind of a slow ramp up. Uh, what we found is when flipping houses, uh, it really there it's a it's a step function. So you can do one or two houses pretty much in your part-time, part um, but once you get into doing five houses, uh, things start to get really tough. And as you get better at it, you put some systems and processes in place, you hire a couple people, then you can start doing five or 10 houses a year. But if you want to get above 10 houses a year, you have to put a whole different set of systems and processes in place to get to the next level. And what i found is the the investors that um, that get into the 20 25 50 houses a year and, and Actually, we haven't gotten that big, um, but the ones that are getting into those types of numbers, what they're really good at isn't necessarily real estate. What they're good at is optimizing a business and building systems and processes really to take their business to the next level, whether that business is real estate, which it happens to be for them, or whether they were doing any other type of business where you really have to, to get your, your systems down down pat, your methodologies down pat, and you really have to have processes in place uh, to, to scale.
0: For somebody who has flipped a couple, what's a piece of advice or something um, you can give them to help them go from flipping a couple to getting to that you know, 10 a year mark?
1: If you want to go from a couple a year to 10 a year, you really, you have to hire that first employee. What I found is if you're doing more than one or two deals at a time, and a typical deal takes about three months. So if you're doing 10 a year, you're probably doing three at a time, um, if you're going to do more than one or two at a time, you need that first employee, and in in it doesn't have to be an employee; it can be a contractor. Um, but it's somebody whose job it is to basically handle uh, the day-to-day tasks at the rehabs, to to interview the contractors, to manage the contractors, to ensure that that the quality is is good, uh, to deal with security issues at, at the flips. Uh, basically, somebody I, I call that person a right hand man. Um, I hired my first project manager, right-hand man, back in Atlanta my second year. Uh, it's seven years later. He's still with us. Um, and I basically consider him to be one of our, our main keys to success in this business because he's the guy that's out there every day, day after day, taking care of the, the tactical aspects of the business so that I can be focused on the more strategic aspects of the business. So he, he's kind of the guy behind the scenes uh, or in front of the scenes when it comes to the contractors. Um, but from a business standpoint, behind the scenes, kind of uh, making me look good.
0: You mentioned security issues at flips. What are you referring to there?
1: So uh, depending on where you're flipping houses, we've done a lot of our stuff uh, in nicer suburbs where we don't really have to worry about uh, people breaking in and stealing copper piping, stealing HVAC systems, uh, stealing tools, ripping out appliances. Uh, So we've been lucky there, but we certainly do some of our our deals in areas where if there isn't going to be a contractor at the house for a few days, if all the neighbors know that there's a flip going on or if it's obvious that a flip's going on, you run the risk of somebody coming in and and stealing your appliance. Or stealing your contractor's tools, um, and so it's really important that somebody is at the property every day. That the people in the neighborhood see that that somebody could be stopping by any time, day or night. So having a project manager uh, who can, if nothing else, just drive by the property, walk inside, just to to make make himself seen by the neighborhood, um, it, it adds some level of security uh, because people are going to be less likely to think, okay, this is a house that's sitting vacant for days or a week at a time.
0: For the first right-hand man, as as you referred to that person or woman, mm-hmm. for for your business, how much are they compensated and how is the compensation structured?
1: So I'm a very big fan of what I call aligning incentives. I want the person that's that's my project manager um, to have the same incentives for success as I do. And basically what that means is I want them to know that if I make more money, they make more money. Um, It's funny. A lot of people, uh, they hire contractors and they'll hire contractors on an hourly basis. And what they don't realize is they've basically given that contractor an opposite incentive to what they have. The contractor's incentive at that point is to work as many hours as possible so that they can collect more money. The investor's incentive, obviously, is to get the the project done as quickly as possible. So what I like to do with my project managers is I very much align incentives, and I do that by giving them a piece of the profits. They know that if I make more money in a shorter amount of time, they're going to make more money in a shorter amount of time. Um, If they know that if the quality is better, I'm going to sell the house for more, and they're going to make more money. Uh, they know that if they can bring us in under budget and under schedule, they're going to make more money. So essentially, by giving them a piece of the profits, I've told them your incentives are the exact same as mine. The best product possible, as quickly as possible, for as little money as possible. And if they can deliver that, they're going to make more money than than if if they just come in as an employee and and kind of work their nine to
0: five. And then even getting into the weeds a little bit more, I mean, it doesn't have to be your particular person, but it's just generally speaking, specifically, how much should they be compensated at the end of the year, on average, like, you know, if you're bringing on somebody, if you if you flipped a couple places, and you're looking to bring on that next person, I imagine that there's some sort of small, you know, monthly retainer, that they get paid, or is it exclusively just on a deal-by-deal basis based on how much that property makes?
1: There's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, every area is going to be different. If you're in a, in a more expensive area where you have to compensate your, your project managers or your employees more, um, you're probably going to do something differently than if you're in a lower uh, cost of living area where, where your project managers can, can live on less. Uh, the way I do it, exactly what you said. Um, there's a small monthly salary. Um, And that basically allows them to cover expenses if a month goes by or two months goes by where we happen not to sell a house. They don't have to worry about going multiple months without making any money whatsoever. Um, Also, what I did was I worked backwards. I said, this is how much for this area. I expect my project manager to make, and that's based on cost of living, based on the skill set I expect him or her to have, um, and and so I know that I'm getting a quality employee that's getting compensated fairly, for my project manager in Atlanta. Um, my number there was about fifty or sixty thousand dollars. So if you're if you're making fifty or sixty thousand dollars in Atlanta, uh, you're probably living pretty comfortably. Um, and so I knew that if I could pay that to a project manager, I could find somebody that was diligent, that was reasonably skilled. Um, And somebody who would be happy working for me long term because they wouldn't constantly be looking for jobs where they could make more money. So working backwards, uh, what I ultimately did was I I realized that given the number of deals I was doing a year, if I paid my project manager down there um, $1,000 a month plus 15% of my project profits uh, for each job, uh, he would make in somewhere in the fifty to $60,000 range. So that's where we started. We started at $1,000 a month, um, 15% of the profits on each project, and we we saw where that took us the first year the first year that got us to around forty to fifty thousand dollars so the next year I threw in a couple bonuses we actually did more deals that took him up to somewhere in the 60 to 65 range uh, he was really happy with that I was comfortable with that so um, ever since I guess the second year he's been working for us uh, we've kind of had the same arrangement he makes about a thousand a month, he makes about 15% of the profits, and then he gets bonuses here and there to to make sure that that when when he does a great job, he's
0: he's acknowledged for that. Jay, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: So I kind of divide my my business up into two pieces. There's, there's the strategic piece of the business, which is the high level: where's the business going? Um, and then there's the tactical aspects of the business, and that's that's the day to day. So I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give my best real estate investing advice for both strategic and tactical aspects of the business. Uh, For the strategic part of the business, I would say my best piece of advice for newer investors, focus on the things that make you money. Don't focus on the things that don't make you money. It sounds so simple, uh, but there are so many new investors that I meet that don't seem to get this. They spend their time creating LLCs. They spend their time designing business cards or interviewing accountants or setting up their home office or buying tools. And these are things that while certainly important to any any real estate business, these aren't the things that are making them money. And, and let me take that one step further. Even for experienced investors, I find experienced investors um, aren't necessarily focused on the things that make them the most money. So if you're an experienced investor, not just focus on the things that make you money, but focus on the things that make you the most money and then focus less on the things that make you less money. And for both new and experienced investors alike, what I found is the things that are going to make you the most money, two things. One, finding deals. Two, raising money. If you're running a real estate business, you need to spend the bulk of your time finding deals and raising money. Um, I'm not saying don't do anything else. Obviously, there are other parts of the business that are important. But those are the two things that you as the owner of your real estate business need to be spending the most time on because those are the things that are going to make you the most money. Um, Here's the way I like to think about it. I I talk to a lot of investors who say, I'm going to paint my own house. I'm going to save some money by painting my own house. Or I'm 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 good at plumbing. I can do the plumbing on this one. No reason to spend $2,000 on a plumber. Here's what I tell them. If it takes you 40 hours to find a new deal, if it typically you'll spend 40 hours finding a new deal and finding the money for that deal, and a typical deal for me generates about $20,000, let's say for them, the typical deal generates $20,000 as well. That $20,000 for 40 hours of work is $500 an hour. So if you're spending your time finding deals, you're essentially making $500 an hour for that work. If you're painting your own house or if you're doing your own plumbing, you might be saving yourself $15 an hour for a painter. You might be saving yourself $50 an hour for a plumber. But would you rather be saving yourself 15 or even $50 an hour or would you rather be out there earning $500 an hour? Go find your deals, go find your money, make your $500 an hour, make your $1,000 an hour, and then hire the painters and the plumbers and, and the handymen to deal with the house stuff at $15 an hour or $20 an hour. So, so that's, that's my strategic tip. Um, on the tactical side, uh, my best ever real estate investing uh, uh, tip is when you're flipping a house, meet every one of your neighbors. So this is something that it took us a while to realize how beneficial this was to our business. But when we buy a new house the first thing my wife will do is she'll go knock on the door of everybody in the neighborhood. She'll introduce herself. She'll say, hey, we're the Scots. We've just bought the house down the street. We're going to be renovating it. We're going to have contractors in and out. Hopefully, they won't bother you. Here's my business card. Um, If you ever have any issues with our contractors or with the house or questions, just give me a call. And she'll talk to each neighbor for five or 10 minutes. Now, meeting all the neighbors has some some very obvious benefits. First, um, you might find that they're looking to sell their house. And if they are, they're going to tell you about it. And we've bought houses a number of times uh, from neighbors on flips that we've done. Uh, Second obvious benefit is they may have a buyer in mind for you. So uh, we did a deal recently where my wife knocked on the door, introduced herself to the neighbor. And the neighbor said, oh, love that house. We have a daughter who's moving back into town. Can she look at the house? Would love for her to live next door to us. So in the end, the daughter didn't want to live next door to her parents. Uh, but we sold that daughter that she introduced us to another flip that we were doing a couple miles away. So meet the neighbors; they may know the perfect buyer for the house um, that that's next door to them. Uh, third, uh, we talked about security earlier. Meet your neighbors let your neighbors know who you are, where they can reach you. If they ever see any suspicious activity in the neighborhood, um, if they have any, ever have any security concerns, they're going to give you a call. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times where I've had a neighbor call me and say, hey, a, a truck just pulled up to your house and some guy just kind of walked inside. I'm a little concerned and and I can say, hey, that's our contractor and I know he's there. But if, it's, if I'm not expecting a contractor to be there, that's the perfect opportunity for me to say, thank you so much. I can call the police. I can call my project manager. I can drive out there myself and see who's trying to get into my house. So those are the obvious benefits. They might have a house to, to sell you. They may, might have a buyer for you. They might be able to provide you some security. But then there's some non-obvious benefits as well. First, if you know your neighbors, if they like you, they're going to keep their house, their yards nice um, they're not going to keep junk out in their yards, and and, and they're not going to make a lot of noise when you're when you're doing showings because they like you. They want to help you. They're gonna they're gonna try and help you out when when people are coming to see the house. Um, they're gonna warn you about certain issues in the neighborhood. They might be able to tell you, hey, um, that guy down the street, um, he he blasts his music on Saturday afternoons. And and you can say, okay, great. Now, I, I know not to do showings on Saturday afternoons because the crazy neighbor down the street is going to be blasting his music. Um, or better yet, you can go talk to the neighbor down the street and and and, and figure something out with him so that he's not blasting his music. Uh, your neighbors may know kids in, in the neighborhood who like to mow lawns or a handyman in the neighborhood who can take care of little problems when when the house is, is listed for sale and, and there are little fixes that need to be done. So they might be able to help you find cheap labor. Um, If let's say you go away on vacation and you're worried about your your house sitting for a few days, you don't have a project manager, you can call your neighbors and you can say, hey, does everything look okay at the house? Uh, If they know you, if they like you, they're going to be happy to run over there and check on your house for you. Um, and, And the best thing is, We've had neighbors that we've met at houses that, that like to keep in touch with us. We'll sell the house. We'll be out of the neighborhood, and we'll get a call six months later from one of these neighbors saying, hey, a house in the neighborhood just went up for sale. Um, you should come over here and take a look at it. Um, or I'm getting ready to sell my house. I remember you you making the house next door really nice. Come take a look at my house. Maybe you can buy it from me. Um, so so befriending the neighbors really provides an opportunity um, to to build different aspects of your business. Find buyers, find sellers, enhance your security. Um, It's just all around. uh, We found that we've probably made hundreds of thousands of dollars um, by befriending our neighbors in various
0: capacities. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Uh, I think I am. Let's do it. All right. Well, I think I'm ready too. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Could you do more deals if you had more money and didn't have to waste time looking for financing are you ready to scale your real estate business and do more deals? Well, let's make that happen. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is ready to fund your next deal. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that has thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Find out more at patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com. All right, Jay, best ever book you've read. Best ever book. Okay. I'm
1: guessing this is one you haven't heard before. Um, if you have, I'd be surprised.
0: Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
1: <laughs> no, uh, don't, don't get me wrong. There, there's some good aspects of that book. Um, but I'll stay away from Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, uh, the four hour work week and, uh, and all the other ones I'm sure you've heard of a dozen times. Uh, this book is called The Goal. Uh, it's written by a guy named Eliyahu Goldratt, I believe his name is. And the book is about a management philosophy called the theory of constraints. And basically what the theory of constraints says is every business has a set of constraints that keeps it from growing bigger and getting more efficient. Um, If you as the business owner can figure out what the constraints of your business are, you can then remove those constraints and you can grow and optimize your business. And this was a a management philosophy that kind of got big in the 70s and the 80s and and, I don't know too many real estate investors who have embraced this or read this book, but let me tell you something. If, if you read this book as a real estate investor and you really want to grow and scale and optimize your business, you're going to find this to be a fantastic book. So It's, it's called The Goal and, and again, the author, I think his name is
0: Eliyahu Goldratt. I will be reading that for sure. And Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so if you don't want to read it but you want to listen to a book like that or perhaps that book, go to freebesteverbook.com. And get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Best ever personal
1: growth experience. I'd have to say that was uh, when my wife and I left the tech world. Um, I basically, for us, that was that was stepping off a cliff. Um, we didn't know anything other than working in the corporate world. Um, I always had interest in being an entrepreneur. Uh, I love business stuff, but I didn't have any experience. My wife didn't have any experience. So basically taking that, that huge step and saying, we're going to quit our jobs. We're going to move across the country and we're going to do something completely new and different. Uh, that for us was probably the the biggest growth experience I ever had. And, And what it taught me, I I think what it taught us is we can do anything. Everybody out there, you can do anything. You set your mind to it. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's hard to take that first step, but if you do it and and you really focus, you're not going
0: to fail. Best ever success habit you practice?
1: My favorite success habit, and uh, it, it costs a, a little money and electricity, but I take half hour showers in the morning. Um, my wife hates it. My kids hate it because I, like, I take up all the hot water. Um, but My half-hour showers in the morning, that is where I am planning my day. That's where I'm figuring out what I'm going to focus on for the next 8 or 10 or 12 hours of my day. And it may be family-related stuff. It may be work-related stuff. It it may be writing my next book, whatever it is. Um, That half-hour, that 20, 30 minutes uh, really helps me focus and figure out um, how I'm going to plan the rest of my day put together a, a strategy, put together a, a plan. Um, and then by the time I get out of the shower in the morning, I am psyched to get started. I know exactly what I expect to accomplish, what I plan to accomplish. Uh, and then I can focus my time throughout the rest of the day. So I'd say my, my best success habit for me is is long, long showers in the morning.
0: With pruny fingers in the morning. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: best ever deal you've done.
1: My best ever deal was by far the first one I ever did. Um, it made us the least money. It gave us the most headaches. It was the longest deal. It took us two and a half years. Um, it was a flip that turned into a lease option that turned into a second flip when our tenants left. And and then ultimately we got it sold two and a half years after we started. Um, we made essentially no money. We made pretty much every mistake you can make on a real estate deal. Uh, and I learned more from that deal. Um, than probably every other deal we've ever done combined. Part of it was it was my first deal and you're gonna learn more from your first deal than you'll learn from any of your other deals. And part of it was everything went wrong. And a lot of people are terrified of doing deals and, and having things go wrong. I'm actually a big fan of having things go wrong because once something goes wrong, You realize there's there's really no reason to be scared of it. You figure out how to mitigate the problems on on future deals um, and and things going wrong. If nothing else, it will eliminate the fear of that thing happening again in the future because you're going to realize it's not as bad as I thought it was. Uh, So that first deal, again, everything went wrong, and we made it through and and we got out of there with actually a little bit of a profit. I think we made about three thousand dollars, and today. i look back and that's that's the best team
0: that we ever did best ever project you're most excited about right now
1: best project that i'm excited about right now we are i still have some i'm living up in in the suburbs of dc right now uh but i still have a couple partners down in atlanta and they're fantastic um good partners there's nothing better than a good partner because they're gonna challenge you to do new stuff I have a partner down in Atlanta uh, who has basically told me that we're gonna build a subdivision this year and that's something that I probably wouldn't have have dreamed up or decided that I wanted to do on my own but uh, my partner down there has said this is what we're doing and he's he's dragging me along kicking and screaming Uh, and I have a feeling we're gonna look back in in a year or two and say this was this was probably the smartest thing we ever did because it's taking us out of our comfort zone, um, but it's really going to teach us a, a new style of investing and, and take our business to the next level. So I'm really excited about jumping into uh, buying some land and, and doing a subdivision
0: build this year. Best ever quote?
1: My favorite quote, most of my favorite quotes come from Warren Buffett. Uh, but my my if I had to pick one, I would say, uh, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. And that really resonates with me. Uh, a lot of people tell me risk is like a major inherent part of real estate investing. They they rationalize that they don't want to actually jump in. They don't want to get started because it's too risky. They have to learn more. They have to do more. Um, um, that that there's so much unknown that that they're, that jumping in just creates too much of a risk for them. Um, and what this this Buffett quote really says is risk comes from from not being prepared. Um, If you read, if you talk to people, if you have the right mentors, if you have the right team around you, uh, knowledge and information is is power. And when you have that knowledge and information, uh, you're basically mitigating your risk. So learn, study, prepare, um, and that in and of itself is going to mitigate your risk.
0: What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate?
1: My biggest mistake was probably twofold. One, not starting sooner. Uh, I, I wish I would have quit my job 10 years earlier than I did and, and started sooner. I'm sure a lot of people say that. Uh, my second biggest mistake was not recognizing that we were being successful when we first started out. Uh, in 2008, 2009, I think we bought five or 10 properties in, in the first year, year and a half. And in retrospect, um, we didn't buy more properties because we were making money on each one. But every time we sold a house, we would say to ourselves, did we just get lucky? Could it really be that, that we figured this thing out? And so instead of buying, 50 or 100 houses back in 2008 and 2009 when when really you could go out and look on the MLS and find 50 or 100 houses to buy uh, we were too scared to do that because we didn't really believe that what we were doing was scalable we didn't we didn't we didn't have enough belief in our own success so I'd say the, the other big uh, the big uh, mistake or regret I have is that that we didn't go bigger when we first started
0: out what's the best ever place to reach you Jay best place to reach me is
1: my website, uh, one, two, three flip.com. Uh, I am on Twitter at one, two, three flip, and I can be reached by email. j at one, two, three flip.com.
0: Now you said that's the best place, but I'm looking for the best ever place. So are those the best ever places to reach you to? Best ever place to reach me. Come to my blog, come
1: to one two three com. Uh we started that website back in 2008 with the goal of essentially sharing our journey with, with everybody that wanted to, to follow us and read along. We started with zero real estate experience. I documented the first 50 flips I did in gory detail. I mean, you can see every schedule, every, every financial detail down to the penny. You can see pictures, videos. Um, and most of all, you can see every mistake my wife and I made on our first 50 deals. Um, and it, if you can learn from our mistakes, then then you're going to be a better investor yourself. So so check me out at 123flip.com.
0: Jay, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking through from, you know, when we first started our conversation talking through how much to pay for that first employee so that we can scale our flipping business from a couple to 10 which I imagine a lot of the best ever listeners are in that situation. If you're not, if you're still working on your first couple, then certainly you know, Jay talked through a lot of ways to get started there. And in particular, when you're flipping your house, meet all the neighbors. What a great insight there and all the benefits that go along with it, both um, both seen and perhaps unseen and that take place in the future where, you know, they first, when you let them know that you're, you're buying a house, in their neighborhood, they're going to keep track of it for you. Um, they will stay in touch with you in the future. It'll help with security, as you mentioned, you know, neighborhood watch. They might have a buyer for you. The neighbors might give you some inside intel on the other neighbors in the area so you know when to show, when not to show. If somebody likes to have a rock concert at 3 p.m. on Tuesdays, you'll know that. And you know, talking through from a, from a high level, too, on how to structure your bi- business and what to focus on when you're just starting out, focus on the things that make you money. That makes sense. And don't focus on things that don't. And clearly, you know, that, that seems obvious at the when you say it. But then when you went into the examples, Jay, we got into you know cr- don't create LLCs. Don't focus on buying tools. Don't focus on setting up a home office or designing business cards. Perhaps some of those might be necessary, but the real focus should be on finding the deals and getting the money. Real estate is so darn simple. You find a deal and you get the money, and then you match up the two, and then you make a profit. That, that's really it. And you know, simplifying it. I love how you simplified it in that way. I mean, clearly there's sub bullets underneath those two things, and there are many sub bullets underneath those two things. And that's where the risk comes into play. And and knowing risk comes from not knowing what you're doing and being prepared, having the team around you. But really, you know, it, it's about simplifying the process in your mind and doing stuff that makes you money and you went through a lot of examples for how that happened for you in particular and how the best ever listeners can do it so thank you so much jay really grateful to meet you and have you on the show and we'll talk to you soon joe it was my pleasure thanks so much
1: hey you best ever listener do you want more then go to JoeFairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos templates and content to help you get deals done And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.